Well, good morning to you, and I'm glad that uh, some of you have come, and I did mess up my mask. Sorry, Paul. I'll try to fix it here. There we go. I think I got it where it's supposed to be. Uh, and uh, you might be wondering some things this morning, uh, why we now are standing and singing. We did a bit of a risk assessment in the last week, talked to some Alberta health people, and uh, because we're at 15%, because we socially distance, because it is mandatory to wear masks, uh, we have determined that it's okay to sing. And partially because I think we're going to probably keep going with some of these restrictions in the foreseeable future, a couple of months. And uh, we just thought to ourselves, we got to start singing. Uh, because to us, that's just so important. And so uh, we do that. But just remember, it is mandatory to wear masks here in this building. Uh, that is the Alberta law, and we actually have to enforce that. And so if you're not wearing a mask, somebody probably will come and ask you politely, put one on. But just know that you have to wear a mask in here. And uh, that's the way it is, and not much I can do about it. We are in a province, though, one of the only that actually still allows churches to meet. And we are grateful for that. And we're fortunate because we have a big enough building that we can actually fit you all in. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to this topic today of prayer for the next three weeks, ending on our prayer summit, my prayer today, Lord, is that uh, it'll somehow connect with us exactly what we're missing when we as followers of you don't pray. I mean, there's, besides all the straight-up commandments in Scripture about praying, the whole John 14, 15 about being plugged into the vine, how can we be plugged into the vine if we don't pray? Oh, God, open up our eyes to this truth today. And may some of us who are long-in-the-tooth Christians with some bad habits, myself included, may you, Holy Spirit, bring us conviction, which leads to repentance, which leads to change and brings life, brings freedom. Oh God, work in our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So this week I was listening to Andy Stanley, and I think it was on about Wednesday, but I'm not sure, and I was driving somewhere. It was actually in the afternoon. I don't remember when it was, but anyway, uh, he used an illustration that I've heard a lot of times, and basically what Charles Stanley's message was, uh, he was calling the backslidden, those that had slipped away from things of the Lord, back to the Lord. And what he did with the caterpillar butterfly illustration was he talked about how caterpillars obviously uh, crawl along the ground and literally eat dirt, and uh, that's their life. And uh, then he talked about this metamorphosis, this complete change from a caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. And then he went on with the illustration and he talked about how there's a lot of Christians that are just like butterflies. They recognize they've been changed, transformed. Their heart of stone has been replaced. They they've have a new creation. They, they are something different. They understand that. But they look down and they see the caterpillars. And they think to themselves, man, i got to go be with them still. 
It's what you're used to. It's why you're comfortable. So you are wholesale changed as a follower of Christ, but that doesn't mean that the old memories, thoughts, habits are still done away with yet. And many followers of Christ, we fold up our wings that give us freedom, that give us flight, and we begin to do, behave, and act just like the world. We begin to crawl in the dirt and eat dirt. And we start after a time, if we stop going to church, reading our Bibles, and for this sermon's sake, we stop praying and connecting with God. It doesn't take long before our wings are so folded in. And I can imagine in my imagery, in my mind, how ridiculous it would look for a caterpillar's wings to be folded and crawling along the ground. But that's what a lot of Christians are doing. And Charles Stanley warned, he said, you keep doing that long enough. And I think he's a Calvinist that doesn't believe you can lose your salvation, so I don't know where this came from. But he said, if you do this long enough, you'll forget what being free is like. This reminded me of the very first illustration I preached at this church. I remember it was from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And the illustration I used was there was a society that built a rocket ship. It was beautiful, it was high tech, it was spectacular, and it cost billions of dollars and it was constructed of the shiniest metal you can imagine. It had the country's words emblazoned on the side. They took tours for people to see this great feat of technology. They would actually have whole classrooms, they would have ceremonies every year to talk about how incredible this rocket was, but there was one problem, they never put any fuel in it. And they had the fuel available, but they just never put it, they never actually soared. And a lot of us as followers of Christ, we've been crawling around in the dirt like caterpillars, or in my illustration's sake, we have been not fueling ourselves up, where God wants us to literally go to the stars, literally do the unthinkable and push back the gates of hell. Uh, Many of us are acting just like the world does. This morning as we were in our prayer team praying for the service, the thought came to my mind, one of the sins of Grand Prairie, every region, every area has its own kind of unique sins. One of the sins of Grand Prairie is a lot of people come here for a short time and I have met ex-pastors, I've met elders, I've met worship leaders, I've met Bible college grads, I've met seminary grads that have come here and I'll start talking to them and they'll tell me they're Christians and they love Jesus. I'll say, what church do you go to? And go, oh, I don't go to any, I'm only here for a few months. So when did you come, I'll say, and they'll say, Oh, it was three years ago when I came. You know, we have this culture in Grand Prairie where I'm just here for a short time to make some money so I can go do what God wants me to do. I mean, maybe they fell in hard times and they needed a job. There are people, don't get me wrong, that come for all the right reasons. And when they come, they are fully vested in this church or in a church in town. So don't get me wrong if that's one of the people. But there's a lot of us that we so quickly think that we can crawl around like a caterpillar Stop connecting with the vine and we'll be okay. For we're butterflies. We look in the mirror every day and we see those beautiful wings. We know that we have freedom. But I want to warn you like Charles Stanley did that if you do not connect with Jesus, if you do not fill up your tanks with the Holy Spirit, it won't take long until that freedom that was won at the cross, it was finished, it was paid for, it was done, until that freedom is no longer even in your memory and I've seen it over and over again. 
I've seen it in my own family. A family member who came to Christ at Camp Sagatau, 25 years later, came to me and said, and by the way, this person wasn't going to church anymore. What's this whole Christian thing all about again? And I had to look at him and I said, you don't remember Camp Sagatau? You don't remember what happened when you were changed from a caterpillar into a butterfly? Well, it's not exactly what I said, but it fits my illustration, so go with me on that. And the person didn't remember. Friends, if we are not praying people, if we are not connecting to the vine, and in my prayer, I think I said it from personal experience that there's a lot of us that have developed some really, really bad habits as Christians. And the bad habit is not connecting to the vine. And what I love about church renewal and what I love about soul care and what I love about the Holy Spirit weekend, all these wonderful tools that are out there and around there is they're trying to connect his people to the vine. So today we're going to talk about prayer. And there's a lot of us that you might be sitting there going, oh man, I... Yeah, yeah. three months ago when you preached on it before, I, I heard you and I tried to do something different, but I'm just a failure in this. And I want to tell you that I just, we just got a tool on Wednesday from Main Street Church in Chilliwack and they let us use it. And it might come with lots of mistakes because the staff really beehived together and got the, uh, the tool ready and it's at the info desk, 21 days of prayer. It'll take you through the next 21 days, stuff to pray about, stuff to do. And, and hopefully you'll pick it up after the service or you can go online into Church Center app and if you click on pray first, it's at the very bottom of that page, you'll find a download for that. But I just want to say, let's turn this around, people. I think one of the greatest problems of the church today, it's like the Grand Prairie attitude. Well, we're just here for a short time. Or the attitude is, I'll figure it out. North America, we got plans, we got schemes, we got church growth experts telling us you need to have this and that and signage and beautiful seats and all that stuff's important to a secondary degree. But the early church grew during horrible, horrible persecutions. Christians were used as torches in Rome. They would dip them in grease and oil and light them on fire so that they could light the streets. They were fed to lions, and the church thrived and grew. The church didn't even have buildings, but the church thrived and grew. Why? Because these people were connected with each other, and they were connected with God. They were praying people. So I want us to go to a passage of Scripture and there was about 800 passages I could go to. But I want us to go to a passage of Scripture in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verse 22. And it's a story of Jacob, and it's probably fairly familiar. I have never preached it in 13 years here, and nobody has. So it's been at least that long unless you listen to someone online that's preached it. And, of course, Jacob is the one who got the name Israel, and this is the actual event where he got the name of Israel. Now, Jacob is the one, his brother was Esau. And you might remember Jacob stole Esau's birthright. They were twins, but Esau was born first. And Jacob stole, for a pot of stew, his brother's birthright. Brother was hungry. Here's a pot of stew. And they parted ways. And this story takes place over 20 years later, 
when God calls Jacob to go back into the land of Canaan where Esau lived and where he had grown up. And so there's a lot of animosity, there's a lot of fear. Uh, They hadn't spoken in a long time, so make sure that that's in your mind as we're reading this story. Genesis chapter 32, 22, and we're going to come across this wonderful story of Jacob wrestling with God. Verse 22, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives. Now, I I should also say that he had just heard word that Esau was on his way with 400 men. And Jacob was freaked, right? I I mean, 20 years of history of, of fear, of terror at what he had done to us. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Now, if you read before this, he'd actually come up with a really good scheme and plan on how he would split his group into two sizes in order, so if Esau attacked one, he wouldn't completely wipe them out. So Jacob left alone, verse 24, and a man, now later on the text says uh, that he had spoken to God, But so Jacob was left alone and a man, some people will say this was Jesus himself, pre-incarnate Jesus. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And it's like right out of the blue, he sent his family ahead, he's on the shore, and we can almost read between the lines that maybe he sat on the shore, it was getting dark, and he started thinking, man, I, I, God, where are you? What's going on? What's happening? I'm freaked out. I'm terrified. And this man shows up, and there's this figurative battle that goes on. When the man, Jesus possibly, saw that he could not overpower him. Now, this is a person determined in prayer. This is a person very fearful of his brother Esau coming. And he really wrestled this through with God. This was a really tough point. So when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is where we start getting this clue that this was more than just a physical wrestling that was going on. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Now, in the Hebrew, it's a, it's a contraction of a couple of words, but it basically means wrestle with God. Did you know Israel? The name means wrestle with God. And, and really as we're reading in the context or the, the, the sort of sense of this passage, it is really an intimacy, a, a, a closeness, a, a, a kind of like, God, let's, let's sit down and have a good heart-to-heart talk. Let's get, let's get into the issues. Now your name is going to be Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there, loved the tactic, changed the subject. 
Verse 30, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. There's the clue. Who was he wrestling with? Verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, and it still is, by the way, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Now, if you were to read the rest of the story, this, this all-night prayer meeting, so to speak, this, this wrestling, this praying with God, this, this Jacob who really needed to connect with God because he was full of fear that Esau was going to completely come and wipe him out. He had 400 men with him, and you see, Jacob's size wasn't that big. But if you were to read, even just in the next few verses, you would discover one thing which is kind of surprising. And the text doesn't really say it, but I I think there's some assumption the text gives. When Esau shows up, he runs up to Jacob and he gives him a big hug. And bottom line, all is forgiven. This, I believe, is because Jacob wrestled with God. When I lived in Tumbler Ridge uh, as a pastor many years ago, my wife and I had a really, really rough time. It was, it was about a year or two that especially was really tough. You've heard about my plane crash. Uh, right within, I think, a year of the plane crash, I had three surgeries, and most of them were uh, in, Van- actually all three of those were in Vancouver. One was in Dawson Creek. We also had three family medical emergencies that had to also be done in Vancouver. And uh, so we had to go down there a few more times. It was really cost. We put, uh, I think, 100,000 kilometers on a minivan that year that we owned. And it was a bit of a high mileage minivan as it was. I had a prominent couple in the church I pastored that began to call secret. This is after the plane crash. I wasn't really with it terribly well, I admit it. But this couple began to call special secret meetings to get me fired, and I started hearing wind of it. Our finances as a church were horribly bad, and I wasn't getting paid for up to a month. And so we were financially, personally, as a family, in a really tough spot. My wife at that time hit an emotional low spot that she has never been as low in in our lives. I mean, I remember going to work, she was crying. I came home at lunch, she was crying. I came home at supper, she was crying. Somehow she was raising four kids at that time. And uh, it took me about three days. I'm a man, I'm a little slow. And I started to think to myself, maybe I should do something. Because this isn't going well. And so I made some phone calls and got my wife some help. My wife, the other day, as we were talking about prayer, she reminded me, that during this dark, dark, dark time, she would go out on the deck of our house, close the door when the kids were in bed or whatever, and she would have it out with God. She wrestled with God. And uh, I said, so what did that look like? She goes, it was a little bit of yelling went on. And I was shouting at the top of my lungs, she said. I was so, I, I, just, I just needed to connect with him. One of the things I'm so proud of my wife about that even in the darkest hours, she would have her mummy time and she would go to her chair and the kids weren't allowed to come near her and she would grab her Bible and her journal and she would read and write. And she will tell you to this day that she went for months without feeling the presence of God. It was literally just going, but she will tell you today that if she had not wrestled with God, she wouldn't be here today. 
Her depression was that low, that hard, that difficult, and she had to get counseling, medication, a whole bunch of other stuff to get fully to the point where she's at today. But she, friends, and I, friends, wrestled with God. I, I had a lot of sleepless nights, not on a riverbank, but in my bedroom with God praying. But I want you to understand that God can handle our feelings and our struggles, and he wants to talk. In Jacob's case, it seems to have taken a hip injury to get Jacob to his correct posture. With his injured hip, he was not running away from Esau. He had to trust God. The greater issue with Jacob was the fact that he had to confront his brother, who he feared greatly. Dislocating his hip would prevent him from escaping the inevitable that was coming. He had to confront his past in order to overcome it. Years of separation from his brother. Okay, my iPad just did a weird thing. Don't do that. I told somebody I always have a paper backup copy and sometimes I should just grab that. Just give me a second. It jumped down three pages. Oh, I touched that little cursor over there. I could just get rid of that. Oh dear, where was I? What point was I on, guy? Point one. Oh, there we go. And if you saw how big my font is, it's really big. You think it'd be easy for me to find my place? Here, I'm getting there. The greater issue with Jacob, and I'm going to read it over, was the fact that he had to confront his brother, whom he feared greatly. Dislocating his hip would prevent him from escaping what was inevitable. He had to confront his past in in order to overcome it. Years of separation from his brother could never erase what had been done in the past. Living in guilt and shame is not really living at all. It's merely existing. There was no turning back. Jacob's blessing was beyond his greatest obstacle. Jacob's future was beyond his past. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you wrestling with today? Our blessing is just beyond what we fear the most. That can be your Goliath taunting and mocking you. If you don't get past this fear or battle, you won't be going anywhere. You will overcome. You will succeed. Start wrestling in prayer with God and let God bless you. I think, honestly, we're so method and plan-focused in Canada that we don't realize that the battle is a spiritual one. And the spiritual battle needs to be fought long before we start setting up any plans and methods and schemes. We fail a lot as followers of Christ because we do not pray. Praying gives us posture. It gives us understanding. It gives us direction, humility, and it gives us, oh, Romans 12 too. It helps us understand God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our battling or wrestling with God is so critical as ambassadors of Christ that every follower must and needs to do it. 
Do you know that you are God's ambassador and representative here on earth? Did you know that? You might go, well, the pastor is. I hear people say to me all the time, oh, pastor, could you pray for me? You're closer. I'm no closer to God than you are. I have the same cross that you have prayed to. I have the same wings, the same metamorphosis that you went through. You are God's ambassador here on earth. And we need to, as ambassadors, call the head office. And we need to ask advice, and we need to get our plans. And God will even sometimes invite you into the journey of what should we do next as you wrestle with him, as you yell with him, as you stand on the riverbank with your fear, with your discouragement, and you're asking God, oh God, please bless me. Our battle friends must begin in the heavens. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and this is the last passage I'll read today. Oh, there was so many passages I wanted to use today. Ephesians chapter 6, of course, you probably know it as the armor of God passage. And I'm actually going to skip over that part because I'm hoping you guys all understand it. You know, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of truth, the sword of the spirit, all that stuff. But starting in verse 10, listen to this. Finally, and, and there's been a lot of good stuff written about who you are in Christ up to that. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You don't need to muster up the strength. You can stand in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the world's schemes. Take your stand against your family schemes, take your stand against the boss's schemes. No, the devil's schemes. And listen to this, for our struggle, some translations use that word, for our battle, for our warfare, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This verse kept me going when that couple was meeting in secret to try to get rid of me. And I understood that I shouldn't get mad and hate that couple. I had to understand the battle was in the heavenlies. And I needed to wrestle with God and ask for his blessing so that I could carry on through the difficulty to the other side. When I read this text, three thoughts jump out to me. Number one, his mighty power. You have read probably lots of biographies. I got lots on my shelf. You can borrow them. Some of the books I have are from the 1800s of people that walked in his mighty power in the most unbelievable odds. The second thing that strikes me in this text is the devil has schemes. He's got plans. Do you understand this scheme thing? He's actually got a written up battle plan against your soul. Number one thing that he's gonna do, he's gonna not want you to connect with the power of God. He's not gonna want you to connect with the power of God. So if you are feeling defeated in prayer, you have just figured out God, devil's schemes in you. The devil has come up with a plan, he's been working it and working it hard to keep you from praying. The third thing that strikes me in this text is we wrestle with spiritual forces. Another passage of scripture says we have weapons with which to fight that this world doesn't have. Are you aware of that? So are you a butterfly that's in the dirt, 
Or are you a person who loves to look and shine your rocket ship that should take you to the stars, but you never fill it up with fluid? Where are you at in your walk? Skip down now to verse 18. Jump over all that armor of God stuff. Listen carefully to what verse 18 says. You have to context this with what he has just said. The power of God, the devil's schemes, that whole thing. So verse 18, and... The Greek word there is kai. It's one of the only Greek words I ever remember. And pray in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? Now, I just, if, if you want to see what praying in the Spirit's like, come some Sunday morning at 8 o'clock in the gym on the far side. Uh, we try to do some praying in the Spirit. Like, basically, we, we stop and we listen. And then we pray. And, oh, by the way, this is, I remember it was about 10 years ago, somebody said to me, Pastor, sometimes when you pray, it's just so incredible. And I sat there, and so I started paying attention, those incredible prayers. Did you know when, when those incredible prayers are, thoughts come to my mind that aren't even my thoughts sometimes, and I just go, God, bring it on. Uh, let your spirit resonate with my spirit, and let me pray words that are praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You can be praying on your face, you can be laying down praying, you can be shouting outside praying, you can be singing praying, you could be praying with other people, you could be praying holding hands with other people, you could be praying in unison, and with all kinds of requests. In other words, invite God to all parts of your life. With this in mind, the text goes on. Now this is important. Be alert, and always keep on praying. Now here's where, for the follower of Christ, we're always thinking of ourselves, Esau's gonna kill me, I'm in danger, my job's up. But listen to this. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I didn't even remember this in my text, but this morning in my prayer, because I woke up at 4 a.m., I started praying for some people. And uh, I started praying for some other churches in town, some of the other pastors. Uh, I started praying blessing on them. I started praying that they would be aware of what the devil's schemes are in their lives. And I want to say to you this morning, as you're praying for other people, have you ever considered your church's success, your business success, your pastor's success, maybe a lack of prepare, of prayer? Have you ever considered that maybe my preaching is awful because you're not praying? Listen to verse 19. Pray also for me, Paul said. The Apostle Paul, pray also for me, who wrote this incredible stuff, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador, for I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I just want to make the symbol, boom, my brain is blown. Are you getting what prayer does? We, we so easily slip into caterpillar mentality. We start thinking, man, we gotta have secret meetings about the pastor or, or my boss or I need to do something about my company. It's just in terror. And you're not even in a roller position to do it. We scheme, we connive, we figure out, let's split our group in two, let's protect them. So many times in my life I've had a plan 
especially when I was younger. I always had plans. And my, I drive my wife crazy because I often be thinking, you know, in five years. And she'll go, can we just live right now? She'll say, I don't want to think about five years from now. So I'm always trying to keep, let's see. I, I had a plan once I'd become a mechanic, and I worked at that for a while. And then I was hired to be an A&W manager training. I was actually hired at one point to be an air traffic controller to go through training. I decided at one point I should start building houses for a living. I actually at one point had a guy suggest to me and even wanted to finance me so that I could start doing snow removal, and that was in Lloydminster. And I could go on and on, but I just want to say that at 18, God called me to preach. And it took me to 30 to kind of get that plan in action, partially because I had to grow up lots. And I remember I was 21 when I first preached, and it was in Lloydminster at a Salvation Army uh, Corps. And uh, I remember it was such a good sermon. But about three quarters of the way, it just stopped. I don't know what happened. And I remember my good friend that asked me to preach that Sunday because the captain was away. He got up and he finished the sermon. And I honestly thought at that time, I can never do this again. This is ridiculous. I'm horrible. I'm right off. But you know what? God called me to that. So I, I started to feel the stirring and I began to pray. And I can tell you, in my first church, oh my. I remember after about three years, one lady came up to me and said, wow, your preaching has gotten so much better. And I'm like, was it that bad? She goes, oh yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. But you're really improving. And I said to her, I said, you know, I think the biggest thing that helped me, because she was a praying person. She prayed me into betterness. You know, I think what's missing for a lot of us is we're just not connecting into the power. We're not filling our tanks up with his presence. We're not asking his advice. We're his ambassadors. We're supposed to be pushing the gates of hell back. But when do we actually talk to God about it? Even though as a follower of Christ, I kept trying to scheme and plan my own way around, and I still do it as a pastor. The elders will hear that, and I think they've started to roll their eyes when I come up with a new plan. You know, we've identified a problem, and I've come up with a plan. And they're starting to get to the point where they go, well, can we just pray? Let's talk to God and ask him. And I've tried to live life my way over and over, but yet when I obey God, and when you, going to the text, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, please don't get me wrong. I can just see some people. So he's blaming me on his bad preaching because I'm not praying enough. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just imploring you. We need to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Ten months into covid that's where we're at. Did you know that? It began about the middle of March. I want to ask you, does anybody here believe that earth is heaven? After the news that went on TV last week, does anybody believe earth is heaven? After the riots in the last year in North America, whatever your thoughts on it were, does anyone believe this is it? I mean, the gospel says this isn't our home. We're foreigners in a foreign land. We're God's ambassadors. And so in conclusion, I just want to be really clear. Every one of us needs to wrestle with God in prayer. Get over the excuses. I've got 
I, I'm terrible at bending down, but I have a document here, and I won't bend down and get it, but it's, I was surprised how thick the document was. We got it Wednesday. I went through it. Staff went through it. We have a 21-day prompter for you. Oh, and it's got really good teaching on fasting, which we're going to cover again a little bit next Sunday, but it talks about fasting, and, and I gave you three things that you can actually pray for the church about. So wrestle with God in prayer. And, and friends, pray it through. Till your last breath, pray it through. Number three, fight the spiritual battle. It isn't a flesh and blood battle, although it sure feels, it feels very personal when somebody says this or that about you or, or this and that about your business. It feels very personal. But you need to back up. Get on your knees in posture and maybe even physically on your knees and you need to say, God, I want to pray this battle. I want to pray this prayer that the world doesn't have. Uh, I remember hearing recently of a businessman who was wondering about a business deal and he started praying and he just got this real sense, these clear words, don't do it. So he backed out of the deal and he found out later he would have lost millions of dollars. And as I said, we've got this wonderful tool for you. And you can go on to our church center app, find it. If you go to the pray first and to the bottom of the page, you'll find it there. But friends, let's be a praying church. One of the prayer requests I have is that we have 50 more people attending prayer summit. And I think if COVID lets up at all, that'll be an easy one. Are you with me? I'm going to make more effort in praying. I've been trying ever since church renewal and the whole uh, The Way program, if you want to go through that, we still have elders that have spots and they would probably love to start up taking you through The Way. It really is from beginning to end to help you pray more, read the scriptures more, hear God more. The whole six hearing God lessons are in The Way material. And I think within the next year, we're going to be bringing out a portion of that as another tool to help us in our personal walks with God. Because I am absolutely convinced that during COVID, during unrest, during division, the most blessing that I can give to my church is to connect them with God, not follow me. Not hear my voice and my advice, but read the word. Be on your knees in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we end this service, I just want to thank you, God, for who you are. That you've actually got the plan. You've got the power. You've got the fuel for our rockets. You've transformed us. And oh, the old man, the old nature, that, that crawling instinct, it still rise up in my soul. And, and I want to be just like the world. I want to uh, go to whatever the world uses to feel better, whether it's buying a new car or drinking a, a lot of alcohol or smoking some marijuana. I, I want to be just like the world so many times. And I don't, I forget so quickly that we're not to be drunk with wine, but instead we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I forget so quickly that we war not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. I forget so quickly that we have weapons with which to fight that the world doesn't have. I forget so quickly that I have not been praying. I've been legalistically going through the motions, reading my Bible, a quick prayer here and there, but am I really wrestling on the banks of a river all night long for stuff? 
As I read the book of Acts, the church was always given to prayer. They prayed open jail cells. They prayed healing into people's lives. And oh God, as I connected with you this morning, you actually revealed in me some sources to some of my own insecurities. Some things I hadn't even thought of before. Oh, to be connected to the vine, to be praying, to be wrestling is a beautiful thing, God. You love us so much. You want us to be near you so much. You can handle our emotions. You can handle our shouting. You can handle our discouragement and our depression. You can handle the oppression that we often come under. And the power that we need is there, the power of God. And so, Holy Spirit, as I pray, I know you're likely speaking to some people about their prayer lives. And Holy Spirit, I am convinced that right now you can even give them a plan to even just go pick up this booklet and start. Or even you've come up with a plan to put into people's minds right now when and where and how they could pray. Oh God, let us be a people who are connected to the vine, who are bringing this kingdom of destruction into the kingdom of light. And the gates of hell will be pushed back because we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray these things. Amen. Please stand with me. There is always opportunity for prayer at the front. And uh, we have Dan up here uh, already. And I can tell you that Dan loves to pray in the spirit all the time. And uh, he will listen for God for you. And if you're just feeling like... uh, yeah, this is what I needed to hear, and, and I just, I'm going to come down and I'm going to commit. Last Sunday, a few people just came and knelt at the, at the, I don't even know what they came to pray for, but they just came down front and knelt. And this is always open for you just to do that. You don't have to tell me or anybody, just saying, hey God, I'm here. I'm actually taking my body down and I'm going to say, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to kneel down and I'm going to pray and I'm going to come up with an actual Uh, way to connect with you this week so that I can actually come up with a way to run my life. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, I wonder how we get that peace in this tumultuous world. I wonder how we get that. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Yeah, you're a butterfly, but you got a lot of old habits in you. You need to be cleansed and purified. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to say it different. Listen, go pray in peace. Amen?